You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Welcome to the Health by Design podcast. I have a great and fun episode for you today. I have Allison Ty with me. How are you, Allison? I'm very well. How are you? I am great. Now, Allison is a world class, what are we, obstacle course racer? Exactly. Obstacle yep. course racer. So that's like Spartan yep. and Tough Mudder. Those are the big ones. And other ones, I don't I don't really know a whole lot about them. Um, now, you didn't start off obstacle course racing, though, did you? No, uh, really nobody did. The sport only came out about, like, 2009. It started to kind of emerge. Okay. Um, they did have obstacle course races. Like, there was one in England that's been happening for a while. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, the military has been using obstacle course races for quite some time. But they didn't, like, become popular or hit the masses until you know, 2008, 2009, and uh, really people only started doing them in like 2010. So almost okay. everybody's brand new. It's just a baby sport. Just now, exploded. did the idea come from military training? Was that kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, so Spartan Race, um, the owner for that, Joe DeSena, mm -hmm. he just was into like super extreme adventures. Like he ran the Iditarod on foot. Um, he's done 10,000 burpees in a day. The guy's just a beast. Um, and so he was doing all these crazy things. And then he actually started with like um, sort of an ultra marathon style event, and uh, there's some challenges in it, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how he started that. And then okay. he thought like, how many people are actually going to be able to do that? Very few, right? Mm -hmm. So to market it to the masses and to get more people off their couch, and uh, you know just doing this crazy cool sport that he just invented he shortened it and just made it more accessible for people and mm -hmm. that's how spartan race was born okay. and then tough mudder is um started by a guy named will dean and uh basically i think he did his intern with that one uh race that's happening tough uh tough guy in the in back in um uh, like Europe and yeah. so that's been going on for a while and he did an intern with them and then he decided to bring that to the rest of the world the story's kind of contested as to exactly what happened but he was a part of that and then he decided that he wanted to bring this Tough Mudder thing to the world so gotcha. that's how that came about and you went pretty far with it too we'll talk about that but before we get to that what were you doing before all this this racing stuff then like you were a runner i know you did like you did pre and postnatal like training <laughs> kind of like oh, the opposite right. it's like pre and postnatal you think it's like all oh, pelvic floor it's slow and then you but you have two kids yourself but you're like running up mountains yep. so you started off like were you always a fitness person no so i grew up riding horses um, okay. And then instead of going to college, I went and rode horses professionally. So I trained them and I gave lessons and I showed, um, you know, with the funny hats and the jumping over fences and stuff. Okay. So that's what I did for a bunch of years. Um, totally I different workout. I dated a girl who did that once. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It's what a lot of girls do. Yeah. 
Um, so it's super fun, but it's a very different type of athletics, obviously. And so when I went back to college, finally, after I decided I'd quit horseback riding for a living, mm -hmm. I was like super scared about gaining weight and just becoming out of shape and stuff like that because I wasn't going to be walking around on a farm all day and like moving heavy stuff around. So I thought I'm just going to get into this running thing because that's what everybody else does to stay mm -hmm. in shape. So I started running, um, my dad did this race, I came along with him and I kind of, you know, like, as they say, I got the bug and so I started doing road races and um, I wasn't very good at first because, you know, it's very late in life and starting to run. But then I soon realized that even though I couldn't sprint and I'd never ran fast, I was pretty good about running pretty fast for a very long time. Oh, so, so you're very good at the endurance Yes, side. yeah, okay. yeah. But I mean, when, I, when you're growing up as a kid, all the sports involve like sprinting and being fast and powerful, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I think in all my um, school years, I ran one race and I think it was like a 50 meter dash or something. And I remember like just like head down, just powering through this race and then looking up and everybody's across the finish line. I'm only halfway across the field. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm not meant to run. Yeah. If you suck at running 50 meters, right? If you suck at running 50 meters, you're not like, I'm going to go try five kilometers. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, okay, sure. running, not for me. Um, so yeah, it took until 2003 to finally realize when I was back in college as a mature student mm -hmm. that running was something that I kind of like naturally just kind of get. Okay. Yeah. And then you, uh, you became a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. You were with Canfit Pro. Yeah. And then what got you interested in, because you also were running the certification courses for pre and postnatal too, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, I sure was. Yeah. So how'd you, what made you interested in that? So basically... I really got into athletics and I went to Australia for a year to train for Ironman um, did an Ironman, did an Ironman back here in Canada and then a week after I got hit by a truck and I broke my back and my pelvis and my oh. arm, a ton of damage and I basically couldn't even roll myself over in bed. Wow. So yeah, my mom being the infinitely smart lady that she is was like, okay, you need to do something because your mind is just reeling, right? You've been so busy, you know, trying to like make your body the best it can be with endurance athletics and all this stuff so we need something else to focus and it's going to be on your mind so mm -hmm. she enrolled me in the group fitness training with campit pro and the nutrition that's um, right because you're a group fitness instructor too yeah right? yeah teaching all the step yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah choreography um so yeah i went and uh got those certifications and then you know as they say the rest is history it was just like i was just so interested and so voracious yeah. and then my own rehabilitation at the same time so I got really into like Pilates really into Pilates like stop Pilates I went and got certified and was just like every day mm. like a couple hours a day we had a reformer right here actually yeah. in my in the room right yeah here. your house is a lot of fitness equipment yeah and we're actually doing a tour out back of your backyard a little bit later a sure, lot of it's covered yeah. up but it's uh don't think you've seen too many backyards like this i, yeah, I haven't yeah. anyway yeah so. it's always funny when the guy goes to check the gas meter and he's like what yeah because you built an entire basically like obstacle setup your, your yeah. whole well your whole house is kind of one really you got in your living room you have a like a, a power rack yeah. where most people would have a dining room <laughs> table and out back yeah. is like you have rock you have climbing walls and ropes we have this and one little couch area which is like smooshed in with our dining room and then our normal yeah. what would be most people's living room yeah, I mean, and then you also, you know, you get the fresh eggs going on back there. So yeah, is that yeah. your thing too? Do you do a lot of sprouting and growing your own? Because I do see you have little plants everywhere. Like, do yeah. you grow a lot of your own food too? We try, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have probably like mm, about a quarter acre and we, we definitely grow as much as we can in the summertime. Even like extending into the season since we're like on the Pacific Northwest, we have 
a very long growing season. So even yeah. still, we're growing like lettuce and chard and. So oh, is that stuff part of that stuff. Spartan mentality, or is it just you're just you like know, it's cheaper than buying groceries? Like what? I mean, some thought? of everything. Right? Yeah. I don't know if it is actually cheaper than buying groceries, but <laughs> um, just knowing where your food comes from is such a big yeah. thing for me, right? Mm -hmm. And like for having kids, it's like they see that eggs come out of a chicken's butt. They don't come out of a plastic container from the store, right? Yeah, that's and they true. know that it's. You know, there's this stuff that is involved in taking care of chickens, yeah. and it just I, doesn't. Speaking of that, I did a really. We did a podcast. Did a podcast earlier today on cognitive health, and we had a live audience on that one. And one of the women in it said she used to work at a place here that packaged fish, hmm. packaged salmon, and she said what happened was the salmon was actually shipped in from China, but then because it was packed here, they could put from Canada on, yeah. the, on the label. Yeah. So she goes, we're selling this, Sneaky. so everybody's buying this, thinking it's from Canada, because you look at the packages, oh, it's, so it's Canadian wild salmon, or mm -hmm. Canadian salmon, or whatever. Uh, but it's actually all shipped in from China, so it's like, it's so hard to know where your food comes from nowadays. Oh, well, honey, like we, so we have Yeah, I saw you at a honeycomb, like on the front of your, yeah, like your yeah, front yeah, door, I was kind of like, looking, I'm like, is that a honeycomb? <laughs> yeah, so like, I should show you the honey, it's like, ours is like dark, and it tastes like whatever's in your neighborhood. So really? it's got like, from the trees, um, the different like pollens and stuff like that. Wow. But the, the trees even will put into the flowers and then gets into the pollen and they put it in the honey. So it actually tastes like whatever's in your neighborhood. That's and not only cool. that, it just, it's such a different taste than that package. Cause that's mostly rice syrup, the packaged honey you get. Yeah. Oh, is it? That's not uh, how honey tastes at oh, all. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, so you gotta get go get like the expensive totally twenty dollar manuka honeys if you want to taste real honey. Well, Except yeah, for you, you should have your own bees, right? But yeah. you should have like, and it should be from your neighborhood because I mean a lot of people are experiencing more and more in the way of allergies, and there's a lot of reasons for that, like yeah. global warming, all this. But all of also like if you eat honey, you're eating the pollen from your neighborhood, right? Yeah. So it is actually like really good for people. Like my husband has horrible allergies, yeah. So that's kind of one of the like huh. driving factors that decided you know, yeah that's very interesting so you, you do your own honey you do your own eggs mm -hmm. um what else do you do then you also think well, we vegetables. Do, like, vegetables and yeah. tomatoes we have plums we have figs okay um i even grew quinoa and amaranth last year oh I, you, I didn't what's didn't a quinoa a plant even look like it's really pretty it looks like it's very leafy and tall and it's got like you see the quinoa it's in like dots and you kind of thrash yeah. it to get it off oh, okay yeah i always thought like it just came plant, in plas from plastic bags yeah, see? <laughs> it actually comes with the ground cool so yeah so we'll go yeah. take a peek at that later i think that's a lot of fun um so then when was your first spartan race then so like so you're doing the camper thing you're doing step you know stuff like that and then what what was the first one you did was it one of the smaller ones like everybody starts off with a 5k or was it like yeah. an older mutter like what was your no first? definitely so i was running um so mm -hmm. i kept running the the whole time kind of thing and i had done some like trail ultras and did you do parkour stuff at all were you ever into that a little a, bit after i, I only did parkour after i started obstacle racing because i thought it would help but i'm terrible okay. at parkour like yeah. everybody's like you must be so good and like no yeah. i'm awful at parkour. it's <laughs> yeah, okay. hilariously bad yeah. um but so yeah i was running and then the lady that owned the run store that i was coaching at was mm -hmm. like hey you gotta go do this warrior dash thing and i was like i don't want to do the warrior dash like mm -hmm. lame but fine so like warrior and dash they, was your first yeah it's, they always call it the gateway to ocr yeah, okay um and they have these huge turkey legs and you wear this like goofy hat and everybody everybody used to dress up in clothing is that like a vancouver thing is no, it, no it's actually it was the biggest 5k company in the world for a while oh, okay. they only did 5k i think they've kind of expanded oh, okay. their brand um they did 5k and it was all just like ridiculously recreational and then they had a thirty thousand dollar world championship oh, okay. but the obstacles are so easy that you just have track stars coming out and being like thanks for thirty thousand dollars like the obstacles gotcha. were super easy okay. but um so warrior dash was the first one and then i did that one and i thought i was gonna hate it and i didn't i loved it 
Okay. So then it started, you know, oh, let's look up what other race brands are out there and stuff. Mm -hmm. So then it ended up being Tough Mudder, I think was the next one. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, they didn't have a race series. It was just an event that you just went out and finished. Okay. Um, super icy and cold and like swimming through. We, I remember they made a slide into the water out mm -hmm. of ice. Oh. And then, so it was sharp. And then you hit the water and it's ice water and you have to swim across. And then you have to get out the other side. Was it, this in Vancouver? I was in Whistler. Whistler. Yeah. Okay. And so it was slush on the other side. So it was so hard oh. to get out of the water. It was just like. Now, are there doctors around for that? Like no, no, no. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. I don't know. Almost nobody no. ever dies. I don't know how it. I that's, mean, they have a medical tent. Almost nobody ever dies. Yeah. <laughs> almost, no, almost. almost nobody ever dies. <laughs> There's the one guy, but other than that, we're good. All but right. Less people die running obstacle events than they do running events. Gotcha. Which is weird. And a lot less than travel. My guess would be heart attacks, so for the most part, right? Like like in the, in the running events, like normal. Yeah, running. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. people push so it. Like people and the, push it. Yeah, the obstacle events, you always jog in like, yay, yeah. not like, I'm going to get my PB. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. So then, so Warrior Dash, and then, sorry, the next one was? Uh, Tough Mudder. Tough Mudder. And, and then Spartan. Then Spartan. Yeah. And then you actually know Joe Decina, right? The guy that yeah. owns it? Yeah, because he, he actually yeah. lived here in Vancouver, I think, last he did, year, right? Yeah. He came here for a year. He has an interesting philosophy. He basically, from what I understand anyways, I mean, I don't know him, but... I guess he lives in a different place for a year all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess in the, doing the same thing I do with my kid is he teaches his kid Mandarin. Yeah. Right? Uh, so mine's obviously Thai and English, and I want to learn Mandarin too. Because Mandarin is the, the language of the future. Right, yes, 100%. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, but he was here in Vancouver for one year. Mm -hmm. I think he's not here anymore though, right? No, he's Do you he's know gone. where he's off to now? Oh, gosh. I did hear, um, I think he might be back even to the States. Okay. He tries to be like wherever Spartan races. Yeah, because he basically what he does is for my opinion, like he try he comes to grow it in a certain yeah, area, yeah. correct? Because that's what he was in Japan for. Because I think before this it was Japan. Yeah, and Canada was having a bit of trouble with Vancouver specifically. We have this weird thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it because I found it weird because you had mentioned that to me that Vancouver has like Vancouver, which is like the people think is like the outdoor capital of the world, well, capital of Canada, anyways. Yet the Spartan race is having like troubles growing. Is that because yeah. everybody's like already like, well, I already do the gross grind weekends. I don't like what's your theories? Behind? I really don't know. Honestly. Or is it just we're all talk and we don't actually like outside? Maybe, maybe that's it. Wine maybe they're like, I like outside, but we I don't like, like the that theory outside. of outside, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think we actually like outside. Actually getting muddy and wet yeah. and cold. I don't know. Out east it's huge, but yeah. here they've just always had trouble mm. growing it. I don't even know. It's interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the training when it comes to uh, the Spartan. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, like every gym on the planet, you know, every, even every little Globo gym, everybody has their Spartan, you know, Tough Mudder training program. Mm -hmm. Now, you obviously, you have a full-out thing here you've worked with other obstacle course races in the past you have a course obstacle uh, obstacle ocrc obstacle race course specialist or OC, coaching specialist yeah. um that you've just started to um so that's where you go and you actually train people so what are some of the biggest things like obviously this course you know you developed for a reason because you're like you know what are the biggest misconceptions when it comes to um training for spartans it's like you could just crossfitters just think oh i can because I, I crossfit i can go to a spartan yeah and yeah so there is a lot of running involved in obstacle course racing okay um there's a lot of distance to be covered between mm -hmm. the obstacles and i think for the most part people that are new to it underestimate that greatly um and so if the running is kill like so you have to run like a mile between obstacles right so okay and it's like you know, or even a kilometer between obstacles, that wears you down if 
you're not used to running for very long distances yeah. and then you're not going to have the energy to do the obstacles properly right and okay. then people start getting injured because they're like super tired and they're cramping on the wall and stuff like that because they don't have the running fitness. so the uh, so what would the training for it kind of look like in a nutshell like is it a real focus on the aerobic system definitely yeah so yeah. even that we call it a sprint a spartan sprint that okay. can take upwards of an hour you know? oh, okay. So if you're running like an hour, that's a half marathon for a lot of other elite athletes. Yeah. So it's not, you're not sprinting. Yeah. Um, we do have like a mile race that TMX mm -hmm. um, it's called, and it's the toughest mile on the planet or toughest mile on the planet. And it's um, obstacles and then like CrossFit style stations and then obstacles. So the CrossFitters are obviously really good at it yeah. um, because it has those like fitness stations that are basically like clean and jerks or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, crossfit type stuff and then the obstacles so they're good at that stuff um but it's that's like a it's still aerobic because still like 20 minutes or whatever it takes you mm -hmm. um but it's mostly the aerobic system so we do like 80 percent is just long slow distance like in any other sport okay. like in any other endurance sport and then that 20 percent um quality stuff is often like hills since there's a lot of hills in ocr yeah. um you know some explosive stuff because yeah. we need to be carrying sandbags up a mountain yeah do you guys um, train like loaded carries is there a loaded we do definitely yeah too? yeah because we'll carry sand like not in tough mutter for yeah. the most part we carry a bag of ice in the tougher okay um but in spartan race it's a huge component double sandbag carries carrying a bucket up the mountain and stuff like that yeah. um so it's definitely something that we do in training um so usually in combination with hill repeats or whatnot uh okay. we'll do like a heavy bucket carry or sandbag or just yeah. any kind of log where do you find most people's misconceptions are my guess is a lot of people f treat it more like hit as opposed to long distance sort of training yeah yeah so well what we kind of like in any sport you get those people that are not doing the 80 percent easy 20 percent hard yeah. they're doing like 96 percent middle zone you know what i mean yeah. and it's like they're never working hard enough to like elicit changes from the systems that we want when we work hard and yeah. they're not going easy enough to set themselves up properly for the hard days gotcha right? so the course you teach um it's 12 hours yep um you you were mentioning it to me earlier so a lot of it is gait you do a lot of gait analysis on everybody yeah again it comes back to that running thing and a lot yeah. of people think even people that like the last course that i did i did a course in edmonton just a week ago or whatnot um and you'd even have people there that run and you know they had gait analysis and they go to the physios and but they have they don't have that awareness mm. of um, those little tweaks that will actually make you run more efficiently. What are the biggest problems you see in running? Like, So a lot of it is positional. So, you know, like you'll have people that are really tall, but then they just drop their head and then they end up running into the ground when they try to pick up speed. Okay. Um, you'll have people that cross their body and keep their hands up, mm -hmm. right? You'll have people that tricep press with their arm in the back. Um, so the arm should stay at 90 and swing directly forward and back. And should your hands be bladed? No, not no. unless you're sprinting. Okay. Yeah. So otherwise, if you're if you're sprinting, you're going to bring your hand basically all the way from your head to your hip, and you can go ahead and blade your fingers, but not tightly. Just yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, that for most people is more of a comfort thing. It's not yeah. like it's actually, um, you know, the aerodynamics of it or anything is is okay. going to do it. Um, but that just kind of is driving generating power, but you wouldn't want to do that over a hundred miles or yeah, even five sure. K. Um, so it's more just nips to hips with your arm, with your mm -hmm. hand, and then your elbow stays bent at 90. And almost like you were holding a chip or a baby bird with your hand, you want your hands nice and loose. Okay. So you're not harboring tension. Now what about the talk when it comes to what, like 
is it um, you know heel striking? So definitely, is it running on your toes? Do you big like running on the ball of your foot? Do you I honestly, that? at this point, I don't think it matters. They've done a lot of research um, yeah. in terms of like top level marathoners and mm -hmm. the difference. I, you know, I think you should be able to transition if you do, if you're an obstacle course racer and you're running mostly on the trails, mm -hmm. you should be able to transition from a more of like a flat foot to a yeah. toe and back. Okay. Uh, you can see the same errors, uh, somebody running on their toe as somebody running on their heel mm. and it's the exact same problem, only it's probably yeah. more exacerbated for the person that's running on their toes. So as soon as your foot lands in front of your body, mm -hmm that is a really bad error in running. So you want your feet to land on, like right underneath your center of mass. And that okay. is more so important. It should it, right under the hip, not in front of it. Exactly. Yeah. And right. it's really awkward to land on your heel underneath your center of mass. So you're yeah. naturally going to go more forward on your foot. Whenever you're running, you're leaning a little forward too, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And from your heels, a lot of people, this is another common issue is that they drop their, they bend at the hips and they sit back mm -hmm. and they drop their glutes back. So all their mass is still back and now they're hinged over at the hips and they're kind of sitting down. Okay. And their hip flexors become really facilitated in that position too, so they can't lengthen their stride. Hmm. Mm -hmm. No, we should have to do one time. We'll have to do a video where I run or get somebody run, and yeah. you can show us what you do. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, a lot of people like, especially when it comes to running, we just think everybody's good at it. Yeah, you know, you just throw. You know, oh, you or that's shape. the way that they run. Yeah, I just get a good shape. I'm gonna throw on a pair of shoes. I'm gonna run. Yeah, and I mean, I guess running is like one of the highest injury rates. <laughs> Doctor oh, physios all oh, the time. Because people just yeah. throw out a pair of shoes and just you know, like hit the pavement, well, and they're running on pavement, which is also you know. <laughs> the problem is that most people that just threw on a pair of running shoes, they haven't run. Mm -hmm. since they were small they've been yeah. walking around their whole lives so when asked to run they don't really run they just walk with a jump you yeah. know and they it's usually like a really slow stride rate their knees stay straight um it's so mm. many so many errors but they end up just with this like pendulum stride with their legs okay instead of actually running your legs should be very circular yeah. and not like a walk now what about barefoot running what's your thoughts on barefoot running and barefoot training barefoot again shoes. i mean you're gonna lose a lot of proprioception as soon as you put a big marshmallow kind of shoe on your foot mm -hmm. um but i don't think it's something that people necessarily need to move toward as long as their running mechanics are good so i don't even really care what's on somebody's feet as long yeah. as it's comfortable and it's not giving them injury and if it works whatever gotcha. um as long as they're running it does help to be in a more minimal shoe because then you can actually feel the ground and feel if you're you know if you have an error in your running stride mm -hmm. or even if you have an injury cropping up because if you put on a pair of hokas yeah. you know the big fat cushion shoes and you go out yeah. for a run and your knee is screwed up you may not feel that yeah. because you're running on pillows but yeah, if you exactly. do it and you're wearing like a like a Merrill trail glove or something you're definitely going to feel that right so there mm. is that um but i think they've actually caused more harm than good in a lot of ways just yeah. because everybody jumped on that train. Well, that's a problem too, right? A lot like, of people, you a lot of people just, just, just threw them on and just yeah. went running, even though they didn't come with a warning. No, The yeah. box came with a warning. They yeah. said, don't, even the Nike Freeze when they came out, you yeah. know, back in the day, they you know they were like, don't just put these on and run. And everybody, everybody just ignored did. it. Yeah. So. And I think it helps to do like a lifestyle minimalist shoe and just like get used to being in bare feet yeah. and then just slowly work your way up. But I think eventually that... Yeah. That is a good goal. It's just, does everybody need to go there? So with all this Spartan training, all this, all these OCR stuff you do, do you still do squats and deadlifts and stuff like that? Oh, gosh, yeah. Do, yeah, you Absolutely, still do some yeah. of the traditional training? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, we still need to be able to run up mountains. We still need to be able to squat and lift something heavy and get it to yeah. our shoulders and carry heavy stuff up. 
you know. what about animal movements, quadrupedal? Because you see a lot of crawling in these. So I'm yeah. assuming there must be. Is there crawling techniques too? Yep, yep. So we have a low crawl, we have a medium crawl, and we have a high crawl. And it depends okay. on the height that you're trying to clear. Um, but we also do a whole bunch of stuff like rolling. So okay. rolling is the fast way to get through. And you think like, oh, I'm just going to roll. Is that like shoulder to hip? Like the parkour style where you roll. Oh, no, no, not like a front roll. It's just oh. literally log rolling. Oh, log but rolling. You can log roll slowly or you can log roll with a little bit of a like pop, right? Okay. So even just little things like that make a big deal. Or so it's not like where you're just like, like a kid where you lay down on the hill and you yeah, roll yeah, yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's the faster way to get under the barbed wire rather than crawling. Oh, okay. So everybody rolls now. It's the thing. Oh. But you can actually roll. Who was There's... the first person that thought of that? I don't know. You know? Probably Hopi <laughs> Hall or Ryan Atkins or one of those yeah. pioneers that is constantly like looking at things and being like, wow, there's a faster way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we all started doing that. And there's definitely faster ways to roll. Um, ape movements. I don't know if you're familiar with ape walk where you put no, your hands. No, I know the eight limbs of Muay Thai. Oh, what's, yeah, what's I don't this know one? that one. So basically you just... Squat down, and mm -hmm. then you put your hand, your hand, and then you lift your foot, put your foot down. Okay. And then hand, hand, foot, foot. So you're almost okay. like you're squatting, but you're moving sideways with your arms. So like a gorilla crawl? Yes. Kinda? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And okay. sideways. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen and then that. crab yeah. walking. Yeah, and stuff we do. We you... put a hand, then you jump, and then we do like the gorilla movements and jujitsu and stuff. Like okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be similar we call to it that. the animal kingdom in martial arts. Yeah. So if know. there's like a puddle under the barbed wire, you can actually move across much faster doing that. Oh, okay. But just like getting used to yeah. moving your body and having the mobility yeah. to move your body in a variety of ways yeah. really helps for OCR. And then you also trained for the like the ninja stuff too, right? A little bit different, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's yeah. like the one where you have the bar and you gotta like salmon do... ladder. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it called? The salmon ladder. Yeah. 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 Now that would be, I guess, a little different style of training, though, right? Because there's not as much running in that. Because it's usually None. much. Oh God, the ninjas cannot run. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, okay. it's funny. They're Is that a so lot of good hand over hand but... sort of work too. Yeah, it's yeah. a ton, a ton, a ton of grip strength. Yeah. Um, and we need grip strength in our sport. Um, but we need more like endurance grip strength, and they have like a lot of power. Like, now, do you compete in any of those ninja things? Or are you more no, no, like super long distance? So my mine is eight to twenty four hours. That's okay. my so happy let's, place. Let's talk about your. Let's talk about all the different titles or champions. Because you, you got tons of medals. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't know what I mean. So let's give us a highlight. So any other teams in this? No, no. it's all solo. Okay. Oh, so yeah. it's also. So I mean, your... they do have like world toughest matter or whatever you can yeah. go in on a team. Um, that was so what are you? What are you all? Give us some of your titles or. Um, or okay, so last year, yeah, I guess the biggest one, the biggest ones are OCR World Championships Enduro, which is 24 hours. Okay. It's in Australia last year. I won that one. So um, that was the, sorry, the OCR. OCR World Championship World Enduro. Championship Enduro. Yeah. What is Enduro? Because it's 24 hours? Yeah. Yeah. So it's 24 it hours nonstop? Nonstop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does not sound like fun. Uh, so no. you won that one. Not for most people. And that was yep. in Australia, you said? Yeah. So you had to fly to that? Yeah. Okay, so yep. there's that one. Yeah. And then I won the Toughest Mudder series that okay. was televised on CBS last year. Oh, okay. So that's so eight th hours that was, overnight. You were the winner of the entire So you were the entire yeah. thing? Yeah, that was pretty Okay, cool. that's cool. Um, yeah, so they had, I think, six races where yeah. it starts at midnight and it ends at 8.30 in the morning. So you wow. race overnight and you just do the same five-mile loop over and over again. Whoever gets the most mileage wins. Okay. Yeah, so that was last year and I won that one last year. Um, in 2015, I actually won... I was the first Western Canadian to win the um, point series in Canada. Okay. So is it is that a different race or Spartan race? Yeah. That's a so, Spartan. Yeah, that was Tough Mudder with the toughest series. Yeah. Okay. And then Spartan race was 2015. I won the Canadian point series. Okay. So that was good. Cool. And then yeah, how many how many how many Spartans have you competed in now? 
I, I just count, I've, honestly, I've never counted before, but somebody asked me the question um, for an article and I actually counted it. And I think I have now over 50 podiums in OCR. Fifth, so that means you've, so podium means you've placed in the top three mm -hmm. in OCR. Yeah. Okay, so so at least 50 podiums. Mm -hmm. And then there obviously is probably before that there were some non-podiums and stuff like that too. Yeah. Or you always just place on a podium every no, race. No, no, no. There's been some so non-podiums. probably around at sure. least 60. Yeah, probably, yeah, I would say. Think. Yeah. Wow, so you, so out of, so, so what's that? 70 maybe. So somewhere between 70. So And you've placed at least in the top three in 50 of your 70. Something like that, yeah. yeah. wow. So that's I mean, I've done some of the bigger, like, Tahoe World Championship race. Um, yeah. You know, like a top 20 finish is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've done some of the races like that. but. Now, you know some of these other athletes, you know. Where would you say, how does recovery and nutrition fit in? Like, what are your... Because you've never been injured. Because there's, like, they've been injured, like, majorly. Like, you've heard about some that have actually broken a lot of bones. There's some that are in some pretty, <laughs> have had some pretty rough shape. Yeah. Um, but you've managed to, because you got two kids, mm -hmm. and you've managed to uh, stay pretty much, uh, besides getting hit by the truck and breaking everything, which wasn't your fault. Yeah. When it comes I'm to the races. Queen of acute injuries. Yeah. With the races, you stayed pretty much injury-free, though. Yeah. So, what's There was your one secret? World's Toughest Mudder where I twisted my knee, and okay. I broke my LCL. Okay. Um... So that was not good, but it healed in three months. But what's your secret to it. placing in the podium 50, running all these races incredibly long, yet not breaking down? Not running fast. Okay. So that's genetic, I think, or maybe mm -hmm. I'm lazy. But, like, people go out there. I know, like, for instance, face standing. It worked um, for the turtle. Oh, yeah. The hair. Steady wins the race. <laughs> yeah. She goes out and she hammers Sorry, everything face standing. She's a okay. Spartan racer. Uh, we used to race together all the time. She is so intense, and she just hammers everything. Yeah. And I just don't have that. Like, I'd race with her and be like, oh, God, how do you push yourself like that? I just yeah. can't. Like, I'm such a jogger, you know. But you've seen quite a few that have, like, multiple injuries. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, so. they, they, but they just keep hammering, and they push themselves so hard. And I, yeah. I think I've got a really good balance of just not pushing myself you know like I, I do push myself if i need to yeah um but if i ever have the chance not to i don't yeah. know i think that's a smart way to go yeah honestly i mean i'm kind of the same way people are always surprised when they're like oh you've been training for x number of years and you have really no injuries mm -hmm. i'm like because it's very unheard you hear of people training in the gym for 20 plus years with really no injuries yeah and i'm like it's just but probably because i haven't really pushed myself that hard but i don't really care yeah you yeah. know i'm just like but that, I, i'll be training when i'm 50 and i'm 60 and I just keep training you know and yeah. maybe i'm only doing like you said like 75 or 80 percent don't no. care it's fine with me but i mean if you get into that cycle where you're constantly being injured you don't see that steady progression. And what training and what getting good at athletics, especially in the endurance world, is mm -hmm. just consistent. And it's yeah. a slow, gradual build. And it's like putting the work in, you know, day after day, year after year, yeah. that sees gains. Like, you don't peak in endurance athletics until, like, seven years, right? Like, yeah. that's why you see older athletes that are good at it. So it's that not being injured and just, like you know, the daily grind and just steadily moving forward and every day you just get a little bit better that, mm -hmm. you know, so it is really, I think, not getting injured that is how I have been successful, yeah. right? But you must have some recovery secrets too. Like what are some of your recovery rituals? Like, yeah, definitely. Do you use glutamine? Do. do you take hot baths with magnesium? Like what's your, what's um, your stuff? Yeah. Like, there's gotta so be I... something you're doing besides just somewhat slacking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> slacking i'm good at but um so i make sure i get sleep um, okay. whenever i can definitely sleep's a big part and i'm very like you know um, You're militant on your sleep schedule yeah i have like a sleep 
you know, I have routine. Like, I have, like, my special pillow, and I have, like, the lavender, and so I'm, like, obsessed with quality. Are you in, like, do you have, like, the low blue light bulbs and everything like that, too? No, I just let the lights off. And a black light. Like, even if there's a crack, or, like, I'm the guy that has, like, tape, and I start, like, you know, covering clocks in hotel rooms and stuff. So you're going the Dave Asprey overboard? Yes, yes. That's me. (laughs) We've got a little Dave Asprey overboard here. Yeah, John loves it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, stop coughing! (laughs) I can't help it. But, uh... Sleep's super important, for sure. It is, yeah. Yeah, Like, and I'm obsessive about it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm really big on like stretching, like static stretching and mm-hmm. mobilizing with a ball. And I have like the, you know, crazy, mm-hmm. um, like box of mobility tools yeah. now. So. Do you use like magnesiums or anything like that too? Like, I don't ever, really. Sometimes like before a race, I'll take like a calcium magnesium yeah. uh, mix just to kind of make sure that my muscles are moving properly. But so you're um, not really, so cause, cause you got guys like say Ben Greenfield, you know, oh. who, yeah. Spartan stuff, but he's like all on the biohacking side. You're kind of like the opposite. Yeah. You're like, so he's all about pushing like every supplement. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't even take, take supplements. Yeah, I mean, I take iron when I remember and stuff like that, but yeah. um, okay. I, yeah, sometimes I take BCAAs yeah. in my water, and like that's just magnesium like bass. You might like magnesium, yeah. I'll push yeah, magnesium because it is, right. it is very good for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like 600 processes in the human body. Yeah, I mean, and I know a lot of insurance athletes are so we'll really short on magnesium. Sleep. Yeah, well, and they think it's iron, so they just keep taking more iron. Too right, mm-hmm. a lot too. So, uh, yeah, I think you would probably, if you tried that, even just even just like a ZMA capsule, you'd probably yeah. just it gets just helps you sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's just really good for your sleep. I think you'd notice hmm. a difference. I should do that. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a nice hot magnesium bath anyway. Hmm. Now, what about nutrition? Because um, back in the old days, you know, carb loading. You know, do you do do you get anything? Where, besides, you grow all your own stuff. But do you do any particular diet like you push when you teach your courses? Like anything? Just natural, honestly. Just natural. Like I always think, like it makes a lot of sense when you start growing your own food and you start like understanding food production a little bit better because leafy greens for instance Mm -hmm. they grow and grow and grow like you pick the spinach or the kale or and it's like it's back the next day and you're like how did this plant regrow overnight so you can see how natural people would eat a ton of leafy greens because they grow and they grow and they grow seeds and nuts i mean right now you can go to costco and get a box for 10 bucks and then you can just like eat like fifty thousand calories literally in one sitting of nuts but if you grew those nuts, like you have to take them off the tree and now you don't have another tree, right? And then you have to yeah. like crack and it's a lot of work, right? Oh yeah. Opening walnuts I just don't bother. No, right? It's like that's why effort. natural people would not eat much in the yeah. way of like nuts and seeds and like really high calorie things or like meat. Like it's hard to Yeah, I never really thought about that because I'm like, something. yeah, if you actually have to go and open walnuts, like it's a pain in the ass. You don't Hell really bother. No. But yeah. if, you know, but you buy them in the big plastic bag, you can eat handfuls of them quite easily. Yeah, or if they're roasted and salted, I like yeah. natural nuts, you're like, like I'm done. Nuts. Christmas time. Oh, God, those are so good. <laughs> yeah, right? But not it, probably in the raw form. You just eat a few, and then when you were full, you wouldn't eat anymore, right? Yeah. So I think the more naturally you can eat, it's just like a very easy way of regulating your diet. Well, my guess is a ketosis diet, and and the OCR is probably not a great bet. Right? No. The big thing right now is ketosis. There'll be yeah. guys out there to try to tell you you can perform as well on ketosis as not. Yeah. But my guess is a higher carb diet, maybe not high carb, but anywhere high to carb, moderate yeah. to high carb would be like a distance runner. So, um, we've even yet to see anybody outside of a hundred miles do well on a ketosis diet or even mm-hmm. a low, um, low carb diet for that matter. I mean, there's, okay. there's a few instances of people that have done well in like the Western States or whatever, um, following like a low fat, high carb diet or, um, low carb, high fat diet. But the days before they start carb loading and mm-hmm. they, 
take gels and everything during the race, right? So it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. The other thing is with like running, you don't need to like nobody's going to be like sprinting all of a sudden in the middle of their hundred miler, yeah. except for us. Yeah. When we're running a hundred miles at World's Toughest Motor, it's like you're sprinting up the wall all of a sudden, mm -hmm. or you're, you know, like just with your arms across like a really slippery rig yeah. and it just sucks all the sugar out of you. So even though mostly we're still in the like fat burning zone, right. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of jogging along in between the obstacles at the obstacles themselves. It's like a ton of sugar being sucked out of you. So it would be, and people that are like, do a really really low carb diet they don't process carbs very yeah, well no, they process sure. fat well yeah that doesn't work for sprinting up a warp wall yeah no, i can imagine do you use those gels and stuff like that when you're running i do um, i start getting sick on them so i try to eat real yeah. food okay yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll eat it like if i'm running a half marathon or something like, like some that of the real honey you got out there makes it with some yeah. water <laughs> yeah 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 a lot of people do maple syrup now oh do they um but yeah. i do like i'll eat white rice or um oatmeal or okay. noodles yeah. okay Nice. So, try to eat food. That's cool. Makes me feel better. So, besides, so you, okay, so you got the nutrition. So you say high carb is probably pretty much what you do, and it's pretty clean. Um, and then for recovery, you just sleep. Um, anything else that you could think of? Any little tweaks or anything? Maybe even you know other people use. Um, in terms of recovery. Yeah. No, I think partly it's a mindset too, and people don't factor in. You know, like you'll have your taper week um before a race and it's yeah. like the week or week and a half i have a huge race coming up so for me it's when is like, your next race actually? uh two weeks from now it's world's okay. toughest mudder so world's, not next weekend world's like toughest mudder yeah and how long is because a lot of people watch hours. i have no idea so it's a 24 hour yeah non-stop mm -hmm. where is this this one's in atlanta so it's atlanta? always been in las vegas they're moving it to atlanta this year okay yeah um and so how are you training for that like what give us the next couple weeks uh, it's just going to be like less, uh, still keeping the quality up. So I'll do some like very short tempo runs, um, some speed training, but very, very short, um, mm -hmm. no more long runs, no more like squats or deadlifts or anything like that. Just yeah. working on technique and keeping the grip strength yeah. and keeping the tension in my legs, um, up and, uh, the mental taper I think is kind yeah. of what people, you know, people don't quite, you know, they'll factor in, oh, I need to eat a little bit more before I do the race, or maybe even need to sleep a little bit more. But I try to clear off my plate, like, a couple weeks out, so that yeah. I can really, like, I want to be, I want to show up at the race feeling like I drank too much water, yeah. I ate a little bit too much food, I slept way too much, mm -hmm. and I'm bored. And I okay. just want to run somewhere, because I'm bored out of my mind. <laughs> gotcha. But people, like, they'll be like, oh, I'm tapering, I'm going to, like, do my bills and taxes and then they show up just feeling frazzled mentally and i yeah. think you really need to just turn that down and spend a week just reading and relaxing and stretching and that's okay. i mean if you want to get the best performance yeah. out of yourself if you spend a whole year training for world's toughest butter for instance like most yeah. people do you could throw it away the week before the race just stressing out over stuff yeah. that so do people actually train like people they plan, pro, they plan for a whole year yeah kind of thing. there used to be so there's people and you're that, just like oh, i'll just do it and then two weeks after that i got another one <laughs> well this one is it's like the super bowl right yeah. like it's okay. like the big race of the year so there's other championships and stuff like that but for tough mutter people it's like so is your goal to go and this win this it. one oh i would love to but is there like a, is it does it work like a top man and top woman or is it just top person top man top woman yeah okay top man top woman yeah. okay cool and then um uh what was else we gonna ask you this is where I freeze it for a second. Okay. If there's something else I wanted to ask you. Oh, yes. So, family. Did your family go with you on all this stuff? 
They used to, but now that both of my children, we have to yeah. buy seats for on the plane, it's oh, uh, yeah, they I come a little bit less. To go up. Yeah, yeah, in taking my older daughter to school, yeah. and so like. Australia, they came with me because I had two races and they were three weeks apart. Yeah. And I was like, do I fly to Australia and then fly back and then fly to Australia? Because that seems weird. Or do I stay there, but then I can't leave the kids here for three weeks while I'm in Australia. So we're yeah. like, family vacation, we're going to rent a camper van. And we like lived in a camper van for a month in Australia. Yeah. And that was really fun. Um, and they'll come to World's Toughest Mudder in Atlanta. We okay. plan that. So you plan that because you're yeah. driving? No, we're going to fly, yeah, yeah, but they like to be the pit crew and stuff like that. Okay. And a lot of our friends come out and stuff like that. Now, so. how does it, now, how does, how are the kids affected by all this stuff? Are they into, like, are they playing along with you? Like, I don't know, like, my younger young daughter still. doesn't really have any idea, really, what I do. And how old are they? Um, so my younger daughter's four, four, and my older daughter's seven. And okay. so she's at the point, the seven-year-old, that she's kind of starting to get it. And she's like, hey, I think my mom actually might be cool. Like, I dropped her off one time, and one of her teachers was like, oh, my God, I saw your mom on TV. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. she had watched one of the toughest shows. And yeah. she was like, I know who your mom is. And she was like, oh, my mom is on TV. Like, this is okay, you know. But I think they think that everybody's mom. Like yeah, just everybody's mom runs and climbs up monkey mud, bars like... in the backyard and has ramps and oh, yeah. ropes. Yeah, I think they think that's They're in just... for a shock. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's funny though because she takes me to the playground and she's mine. like, hey, Jessica, you can skip two monkey bars? I bet my mom can skip three. And I'm all like, yeah, Jessica. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's funny. So, but I, it's good, right? It's good for the kids to see you doing all this active stuff. And then your husband, John, mm-hmm. he's quite active too. I mean, yeah, uh, he's better at the obstacles than I am for is, sure. And he so. actually builds obstacles for schools too, right? Yeah. Is that what he does? Yeah, he puts so. on the events. So, yeah. So it's, I think it's really weird because it's like if my kid came home, especially at their age, and is like, what is, like, what's the answer to this math problem, four plus seven? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. That yeah. would be an issue, right? For most people. Yeah. But if she's like, how do I transition from the monkey bars to the spinning things at the park? Most adults would be like, I don't know, just do it, right? Yeah, I don't know. They couldn't mentor that. But yeah. I think like in all areas, it's so important as a parent to be able to mentor things. So like yeah. if that's like physically, mentally, emotionally, we're like our role as parents is to mentor the children. Yeah. So I think physical fitness is just something that we've totally lost touch with as parents. Now, do your kids go to school or are they homeschooled? I want them to homeschool. You my little school. one is a, my seven-year-old is a social butterfly and she loves school. So I basically mean, my thing is like, you know, if you're going you, to go to I school, get, you're gathering by the growing your own food and everything. I was kind of yeah. like, I have a feeling okay. this might be a homeschool, I am a homeschool person. mom, but she <laughs> won't be a homeschool kid. So mm. she loves her. And that's the thing. Like I did not like school growing up and yeah. I didn't find it the best use of my time. And yeah. I, as soon as I, so I went, um, after grade 12, I went back and did like a, it was like an independent school. Yeah. So I was always failing everything all the way mm-hmm. through school, and I just hated it. I wasn't engaged at all. And then I went to this program that was, like, at your own pace, and yeah. all of a sudden I was, like, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+. Plus. I was in the dean's list in college, okay. but it was self-driven. Yeah. I just – I do not work well if it is, like, somebody else yeah. is kind of, like, prodding at me. Yeah. Um, but the kids – so I'm like, you know what? If you're enjoying school, if you're loving it, you keep going. Yeah, but exactly. I'm going to be here if you don't want to go to yeah. school. Well, one so. of the things I'm doing next is – and I've already contacted a whole bunch of people. I'm going to do an entire series 
emphasis on um, alternatives mm. to regular school. Because a lot of people yeah. don't know, because, you know, a long time ago, the, the homeschooling was kind of a weird fringiness, like, you know, right. like the weirdos, who kind of like the religious kind of crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very common now, and, yeah. they, and they've actually shown that homeschool kids score better across like across every, every like, even socially. Yeah. So now you got, and now you got like, you know, you got amazing like YouTube guys that teach you math. I mean, there's guys on there that teach you math. There's resources. I mean, to be honest, I think the whole university is dead. I think in mm -hmm. another 20 years, I think universities are just a big commercial now for government yeah. loans. Yeah. Um, I think basically every you learn at university for the most part, you could get between a YouTube and a library card. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, right? I like yeah. really into the homeschooling. I'm, I'm definitely not a university person. I'm just like, and I went to university. I'm kind of like going, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But it was, it was fun. Don't even yeah. Wrong. But, you know, uh, but the homeschooling I really want to look into, but even the alternatives like the Waldorf schools, yeah. you know. She's in Montessori. So Montessori. she's in a okay. one, two, three split in a Montessori class. Okay. So it is very self-directed. Um, yeah, so that's what I want to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm planning to go to the Waldorf and interviewing them and Montessori interviewing them. And then I've talked to a couple of home teaching associations. I'm going to talk to them because people know there's like home teaching clubs now. I mean, the kids get together to socialize because the one biggest thing you always hear about is, you know, the kids don't get to socialize a lot mm -hmm. quite often. And that might have been the case with kind of like we said, the kind of the weirdy religiony ones back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stereo, the t kind of the stigma ones. Yeah. But now there's like, you know, they get together, they have clubs and organizations. And then you even got things like what they call it, like world schooling now. Mm -hmm. It's like you can go with your, like your family. You can go to Bali for like two months so you can learn stuff. And so there's like cool. this China one where you learn martial arts. It's like crazy the stuff you can do now. Yeah, there's just, I feel like the experiences for me, I feel like the experiences you would get in school are super limited and the time is not super well spent. Yeah. Like, but th that's for me. It, she feels like the yeah. time is well spent. She's old enough to make that decision, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I just go find to regular that, school. You know, if you're creative, school doesn't like that. Because, mm, you, know, yeah. you know, they really want to push math. Yeah. Know? And at the end of the day, I'm always kind of like, really, what kind of math did the average adult need? <laughs> yeah. Like, really, it stops at, like, grade low. 9 bedness, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. even then, it's like, okay, adding addition, multiplication, division. Yeah, we need to know that. Yeah. Then we need to know our percentages for leaving tips. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And we need to know, you know, when it comes to, you know, figuring, okay, stuff split that is on come stuff. Up in life. But this is bedness, right? This is, yeah. like, here goes, like, brackets, kind of ends. Yeah. When's the last time you ever had to figure out a square root of anything? <laughs> When's the last time you ever had to do algebra? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you don't. It's like you got taxes, you got your paycheck. You know, it's just, it's like really, really, math kind of ends for most adults at like grade six or seven. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just, you know, it's just one example. Uh, you know, they've really, you know, they've shut down, you know, a lot of stuff to do with arts and music and stuff like that is highly ignored because it's just not valued because it's too Fitness. subjective where really university like school really aims at the those objective things that can be tested quite easily. Mm -hmm. Kind of like why CrossFit doesn't do sagittal, uh, why they don't do yeah, rotational yeah, yeah. movements because yeah, 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 can't... it can't be scored yeah, very yeah, well. Yeah, it's yeah. too subjective. Same thing in the schools. They don't want to do things that are, is that they good art? Is that bad it. art? Yeah. I don't know. I can't score it. So it's too much of a problem. Just get rid of it. Yeah. 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 So I think I, I'm going to do a whole series of that just because I think it is really interesting. A lot of people just don't know the options that they are don't there. realize, and they think that the homeschooled children are disadvantaged. Yeah, when it's a hundred percent different in the research. You yeah, know? Like no, the research has shown that like, there's a lot of 
really good pros yeah. behind it. I just don't know the time you have to take to put into it. It's just what I got to figure out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's resources available. And the other yeah. thing I think, um, you know, at least even I was really excited about my daughter's one, two, three split because then you have like the older kids mentoring the smaller kids and the smaller kids. So what is kids. a one, two, three split? Like all three grades are in the same room? Yeah. So they have, okay. they have three classes that are one, two, three split and everybody's like, what? But it's Montessori is kind of based on that. And then all kids don't have to feel like they're always at the same level. Okay. Right. But we always think like traditional school is so natural having 30 kids that are seven in one class. Like that's the natural thing. And then having a child at home is unnatural. Right. Yeah. But it's like, no, like no, nowhere <laughs> yeah. in natural society would you have 30 children of the exact same age yeah. mentoring each other. Right. And I think some of the problems that you run into with bullying and all this stuff is because you have so many kids basically unsupervised unnaturally yeah. at the same age no, if you're it just Thailand, seems weird stuff like to me. that it's like all the village you know you got the three-year-olds are playing with the five and six-year-olds yeah. i mean it's just a mix yeah you know, and i just, just feel like, like that's so much more natural like my kids school in thailand i mean there's just it's just all the ages they're out there you know yeah um so yeah definitely some interesting stuff yeah. um so where can people find out more about you then and more about you know the ocr racing what do you have a facebook do you have yeah, a website yeah. like, my name allison ty is my facebook so allison it's ty allison with two l's and then t-a-i on mm -hmm. facebook uh it's yo mama so fit yo mama so, so y-o yep. yo mama m-o-m-m-a uh so it's Y O and then M A M A. Oh, M A M A Mama. Okay. Yo, yeah. okay. Yo Mama. And then Yo S O F I T. Okay. Fit. And that's on Instagram. Instagram. And then my website is uh, YoMamaSoFit.com. Okay. And then what do you, that way people can find it. What, so what kind of stuff's on your website? What sort of things? So are I have, um, obviously the course we just talked about, um, yeah. that's on my website, just some more information there, some pictures and things. Um, and then my coaching platform. So I do endurance coaching, obstacle course race coaching. Um, and then I'm working at doing nutrition coaching later in the year. Okay. And, um, then I have a blog, which is really good. There's some content there, yeah. um, about obstacle racing, about like motherhood, about even some of like the gardening and stuff like that I have in there. Cool. Um, sounds really interesting. So yeah, that's about it. Groovy. Well, anyways, hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you, Allison, for being on. I think it was a yeah. lot of fun. It was a great episode. You've been listening to the Health by Design podcast with wellness architect and functional lifestylist, Rora Alexander. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you share it to all your social media so I can get the word out there. And don't forget to join me at www.roralexander.com to get all the latest updates, blogs, podcasts, and guest interviews with my special guests from all over the world, as well as to set up your own personal call for one-on-one -on -one coaching through my Health by Design Life and Body Transformation Programs. Again, that's www.roralexander.com. I'll see you again soon. And again, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast.